0: Welcome to For Good Measure, an interview series celebrating diverse composers and other creative artists, sponsored by a grant from the California Arts Council. I'm Nanette McGinnis, Artistic Executive Director of Ensemble for These Times. In this week's episode, we continue our conversation with Gabriella Lena Frank, who we spoke to in June 2021. You are so marvelously open about who you are and what you're thinking with the larger world. Who or what inspired you to share your reflections with your fans and community publicly? That's a
1: very interesting question. I never really thought about it. There was somebody that inspired me to, to speak about myself in this way. I've had a lot of good models in my life, teachers that were very articulate, um, very gracious, really full of hospitality. They they just conveyed a deep interest in who their listeners and who their collaborators were. Um, I think some in public school, but starting with my music training, I think my primary piano teacher, Jeannie Fisher, was a really big influence in that way. She was just so warm and giving her husband Norman really wonderful with audiences. Sam Jones, my first really significant composition teacher, was wonderful in terms of just oozing that kind of openness about who he was and the way he was able to talk about the things he loved and why he wanted to share this with people. And I've had primary teachers at my second alma mater at the University of Michigan, the first being Rice University The second at University of Michigan, I remember one talk with my primary piano teacher, Logan Skelton, who turned me, really turned me on to Bartok. He was a big Bartok pianist and and one of his specialties was also Liszt. And he was going to a small conservative community of uh, older school teachers, piano, piano teachers that liked a lot of the old classics and really didn't like a lot of modern music. And he wanted to introduce them to Bartok. And I went with him and I watched what he did was it was really masterful. He started off with Bartok's Juvenalia, little pieces he wrote as a, as a little boy and then brought Bartok through the ages. And by the time he got to playing the, the big solo piano sonata, that audience was eating out of his hand. And he was super charming. And they all felt like his mom and dad. And (laughs) it was really, really great. So I think that left a big impression on me about being open about your loves and how that has informed your choices
0: as a music maker. You do it beautifully. And it just makes a whole integrated career. I think it's partly just a generational thing. That when I was growing up, we were supposed to be professional and not admit we had children and not admit there was anything going on or talk about what's important. And that's changed. And you do that so nicely. So thank you for being part of that. It's great. What is an important message you want to share with young and or aspiring composers?
1: I would like to say to anyone who is aspiring to be a composer, whether you're young or not, but maybe per, perhaps this message is for those that are younger, is that 2020 is what it looks like when the world is telling you it's, it's time to change. And this is your generational prerogative is to take things that you see from the past, really look at the past, and take things that you see in absolute terms as valuable and carry those with you and then try to open the doors and get the skill sets to fashion this world in your vision, fashion the 21st century world so that it's truly 21st century and not just a continuation of the 20th century which was in our field already out of date. And this beloved field of ours has long considered itself exempt from being with the times and that no longer tenable. So even if you don't know what that looks like, what the 21st century looks like, there are things that you can do now in which is to meet people, work with a lot of different people, Trust your instincts if something just doesn't seem right, even after you've stuck with it for a while, it may not be for you. And trust that the music conservatory is about 10% of what you will need. And that can seem really daunting, but you may not need three degrees. You might be able to stop after undergraduate and try an intern or work. Um, I think the music conservatory world is going to change quite a bit over the next decade in terms of the repertoire that they will ask you to learn and the Western oriented theory that they will ask you to learn may adjust and open you up to other non-Western ways of thinking about music. And and if it doesn't, you will need to do this yourself. And you have this marvelous internet at your disposal. We communicate and find people, but you're gonna have to be more of a detective. In some ways, I envy you because this was the kind of environment that I needed when I was coming of age in in the 90s. And I managed to do things within the conservatory and I got a lot out of it. I really did. But there were a lot of things that wasn't going to do for me. I wanted to go to Peru so that I can write a string quartet better. Most people were going to Vienna and Paris and and and, and Berlin for this kind of thing. And I wanted to do volunteer work and that was not something that was, was really supported. I had to do that on my own time and wanted to study Latin American music. There were never any courses that were offered. So I found support in the women's studies department and romance language department, and or I just made money on my own and funded my own trips. So I think some of those kinds of strategies will probably really be good for you. I would question whether you need to really go into monstrous debt in order to become a musician, and I don't think you should. I think you should spend a fraction of that amount of money, take years off from school instead, use that to um, get great lessons with with uh, incredible teachers, and try to do short term programs, festivals, or short term academies, and meet people and grow your skill sets. This is a, a changing world and you're at the crossroads and sticking to old methods, I think will not serve you well. So that's what I would say. And I would also end on a positive note, which is you are really needed, that if you want to do this, I love my job. I love what I do. I think you'll love what you do if you're smart
0: about the steps you take, knowing that you're needed. Wow, that was truly inspiration and wonderful. Is there anything I haven't asked you or that you would like to say? Any additional thoughts that you would want to share with those people who follow us or listen to this interview in the future? I
1: hope that people will continue drawing on the arts. And as artists themselves in our field is evolving very quickly. I think the pandemic really showed us that we had to evolve and to become Uh, more strongly rooted within the community that we couldn't be uh, just married to old ways of doing things. And I think conversations like what you're brokering through the series are part of that change. So thank you for, for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to For Good Measure and a special thank you to our guest, Gabrielle Elena Frank, for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, Please subscribe to our podcast by clicking on the subscribe button and support us by sharing it with your friends, posting about it on social media, and leaving us a rating and a review. To learn more about E4TT, our concert season online and in the Bay Area, or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit us at www.e4tt.org. This podcast is made possible in part by a grant from the California Arts Council and generous donors like you. For Good Measures, produced by Nanette McGuinness and Ensemble for These Times and designed by Brennan Stokes. With special thanks to audio engineer extraordinaire Stephanie Newman. Remember to keep supporting equity in the arts and tune in next week for Good Measure.